Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude and over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hello, my friends. Today I have an awesome interview lined up for you. We're talking with Lenise Brothers, who's a registered nutritionist who specializes in women's health, hormones, and the menstrual cycle. She's a yoga teacher, and she's also the host of the Period Story podcast, which... I got to be on. I think that one, we had our conversation earlier this week, and I think she's going to air it in April. So I will be sure to link to all of that on social media. Lenise works with women who want to get control of sugar cravings, mood swings, hormonal acne, bloating, headaches, as well as increase their energy levels. Lenise has helped many women with hormonal issues ranging from PMS, PCOS, fibroids, endometriosis, heavy, painful, missing, and irregular periods, which is kind of the name of the game of today's show. I put put a uh, call for questions on Instagram, and we got a lot of period questions, so that's really where we're going to be focusing a lot of our uh, discussion today. We got so many questions that we weren't able to answer them in today's interview. So um, I will be doing a follow-up episode in, you know, within the next few months to make sure that we get to all of your period questions because there's a lot of them. Uh, Lenise has set up her practice, Eat, Love, Move, to help empower and educate women to understand their bodies, advocate for better healthcare, and heal. So I'm very excited for this interview since we're talking about periods and one of the big questions that came in, kind of overarching questions, was about really intense periods. I want to make sure that folks understand that menstruation is a inflammatory process in the body. Now, it's not a bad thing. We have lots of different type of inflammation and inflammatory process going on in the body at any given time. Um, so that's kind of naturally what what menstruation is. But if there's any uh, underlying inflammation it can make you feel a lot worse. It's kind of like heaping inflammation on top of inflammation. So sometimes it's why people feel a lot worse. And I I get a lot of questions about uh, using NSAIDs or using Advil or using Tylenol in order to mitigate the pain of periods. And one thing that you can try concurrently is utilizing anti-inflammatories, kind of taking a food as medicine approach and implementing anti-inflammatory foods throughout, you know, your entire cycle, but definitely around menstruation and leading up to menstruation. So one thing that I will utilize in my own body and also in my practice with, um, with folks struggling with hard periods is turmeric or curcumin within turmeric. Um, I love using Organifi's gold powder. You've 
heard me talk about it before Organifi is a sponsor of the show. Their gold powder, it's like a, um, a golden milk, like powder that you just mix into whatever milk you want, coconut, almond, non-dairy, dairy, oat milk, you know, live your life. Um, and you just whisk it up. I also add it to smoothies a lot. So that's one of the ways that I get turmeric in, get that anti-inflammatory goodness of turmeric in. Um, so you could think about ways to construct your diet around menstruation, especially if you struggle with these hardcore periods and think about anti-inflammatory foods and herbs to to utilize as well. So if you want to check out Organifi's gold powder, head to their website, Organifi.com. So it's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash funk, that code, that link, and then using the code funk will save you 20% off your entire order. So check them out. And without much further ado, here's the conversation with Lenise. All right, Lenise, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on and talk period with you. Thanks for having me. So Lenise and I connected through Instagram and kind of did a, you know, some chatting back and forth through DMs. And I was really interested in her work. Um, I feel like there's more people finally talking about periods now. Um, it's still not, I don't think it's still like commonplace, but definitely more so than say when I was, you know, figure like learning about my, my female cycle. Um, Linnies has an awesome podcast called the period story. And, um, you had, you just interviewed me for that podcast, which I think it's going to come out in April, but you sent questions ahead of time to think about. And there were questions that I had never even really given much thought to, like what was my first period experience and what was the support and where did I learn all about my period? And it made me realize the more I think about it, I'm like, I really learned most of the information about my body through my friends. (laughs) (laughs) As adolescents, your girlfriends are just like helping you navigate life. And I'm like, that is where I learned the bulk of it. So I'm so interested to hear what made you start an entire podcast called The Period Story, where you're asking people about their experience. Why are you so interested in that? So, a firstly, great question. Um, it's being it's really interesting being on the other side, being asked the questions. Um, but uh, I wanted to start my podcast, Period Story, because a, a couple of years ago, I kept thinking to myself, you know, we hear, those of us with children, we, some, well, not all of us, but most of us are happy to talk about their, our birth stories, whether they're good, and especially when they're bad. You know, I've heard so many bad birth stories and it's kind of almost like this cathartic feeling, I guess, for the person sharing it. Like, it's like, oh, I'm passing on the burden. But I thought to myself, wouldn't it be interesting if we started talking about our first period stories and then learning more around around that? Because people are still afraid, I find, to talk about their period. There's when you talk about it, people go down to a whisper or, you know, there's a hole in your office, in the office, people putting their tampons up their sleeve um, and going to the bathroom. 
And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to be able to start to talk about this more, shed some light on different experiences, and then start to break some of the taboos around menstruation. So I'm going into my fifth season of a podcast now. So I started in uh, September, October 2019, and it's been really fascinating because I thought that it would be 50-50 in terms of the people who I asked to come on, whether they said yes or not, but I've only had two people say no. And at this point, I've had over 50 guests on the show, and one, because she was pregnant, and then she just felt like, you know, it just wasn't the right time to talk about periods, and the other, because she just hadn't got to grips with her period yet and she had such a bad relationship and she said well actually it's not a no it's just a not right now so in that in of itself i find really interesting and it's showing me that there is starting to be this shift in the and in the openness around talking about menstruation and menstrual health so yeah so that's kind of my my podcast origin story Oh my gosh. And I, it makes sense that there's this, this shift because, you know, when I think about, when I think about the shame associated with menstruation, it makes me so mad because without menstruation, there is no life. Mm. And who taught us this lie? Who fed us this lie that we all bought into that this is something to be embarrassed about or ashamed about or something that we have to cover up and something that we have to hide? It's quite frankly, it's such bullshit. So I do feel like this talking about our periods, kind of like putting it on blast is almost like this reclamation of power. Like I'm no longer going to be embarrassed or ashamed about this, quite frankly, this miracle that happens in my body. I'm done. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about what happens every single cycle, however long that cycle is, you know, it's incredible when you break it down to the kind of biological nitty gritty. And to think that, you know, how that's happening over however many hundreds of different cycles over your menstruating years, it's really fascinating. And there's a kind of, there's a power in that once we we get past the, it's not just not talking about periods, but it's when we talk about periods, there's this negativity around it. And I think it's like you said, it's reclaiming it and actually seeing the opportunity that we have in our menstrual cycles. So there's, can you just, when you say the opportunity, maybe we'll, I know we were kind of catering this conversation toward answering a lot of the questions that came in through Instagram, which were really like period problems, <laughs> a lot of period <laughs> problems. So I, I promise we'll tuck into that for the listeners. Um, but when you talk about this opportunity in our cycle, can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So it feels a bit culture countercultural to say that because as I say, when we talk about our menstrual cycles, we tend to focus on our periods. And so many of us have these really negative period experiences. But then if you kind of zoom out and look at the bigger picture of what's happening hormonally um, and physically, there is a lot of changes. And those changes are, are actually, if you are aware and understand what's happening to you, they're really positive and quite exciting. So you know that 
after you finish your period, or you might start to learn that after you start to after you finish your period, you feel a rise in your energy, and that rides all the way through to ovulation, and then just a little bit after ovulation, and that's really exciting because it means that you can start to work in a different way or exercise in a different way because you know that there's this time in your cycle where your energy will be kind of unlock and you then don't have to cram into your life this specific schedule like I'm going to do cardio on this day hit training on that way weights on that day it's more tuning into your body and tuning into where your energy is depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle I think there's a real opportunity there there's also this kind of a mental aspect of it as well where you know, going back to what I said about periods and most of us thinking quite negatively about it, what if we looked at it a little bit differently and looked at it as the time where we can really tap into our more analytical side, our more side that's more focused on insight and evaluation because we're naturally turning in during that time. It is the kind of, if you look at it in terms of the seasons, it's the winter of our menstrual cycle so what's happening on earth during that time or you know seasonally it's the ground is follow there's a kind of hibernation happening and it's a time where energetically you can you allow yourself to slow down but also you allow yourself to kind of go deep and really kind of turn over any issues or anything any pieces of work even that you've really wanting to get been wanting to get clarity on so that's those are some examples of what I feel are the opportunities afforded by our menstrual cycle I um I have definitely first of all I want to say that I think the more we understand ourselves the more compassionate we can be with ourselves the less self-flagellation we go into of like, why am I like this? What's wrong with me? Um, and I think understanding our menstrual cycle is one way that we can understand ourselves because I, you know, for example, during my, um, like usually around menstruation, definitely in, in the, in the luteal phase, I am definitely more like pulling in towards myself. And so rather than beat myself up for not being social or for being quite frankly a bitch, I'm like, oh, this makes perfect sense because my physiology is going through some changes and it makes makes me feel this way. And so I've been able to muster up more compassion for myself um, versus feeling that there's something wrong with me. And I, I love that about tuning into the cycle. Um, on the flip side of that, during my follicular phase, my assistant now knows that if I come up with ideas during my follicular phase, we have to like, just let it settle. She's like, do not, we, we will not act on any idea that you come up with <laughs> during this time. Because <laughs> I have all the ideas, right? I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this. This is the, when I tend to way overcommit. So there's definitely ways that you can tune into your cycle from you know a, a work perspective, from an energy perspective, from a socialization perspective. And I just love that. You had talked about ovulation being this time of higher energy. And so we kind of associate ovulation with this like 
I'm coming out energy, like, right? Like Mm, the sun is shining, like I'm feeling good. But a, a few people wrote in to ask, what happens if that's not the case for me? What happens if I feel, I know I'm supposed to feel good around ovulation, but what happens if I don't? What if? Mm. What happens if I feel bad? What's, what does that mean? What could that potentially tell us about our cycle? Yeah, so that's such a great question because we start to, they're starting to become to norms around what we should expect um, in from our bodies during each phase. But then people feel, there's a sense that some women, they feel like, well, what about me? because they don't fit into these these norms that everyone is talking about in terms of um, the four phases. But if you're feeling not great around ovulation, there's a couple of layers that you can start to look at. Firstly, it's, okay, what is actually happening for you? Is it low energy? Is it low mood? Are you having any pain around ovulation so kind of pick out what the actual issue is and then and then start to track it so it when does it happen on the day that you actually ovulate if you're lucky enough to know when you ovulate um how long does it last what is you know what exactly is what exactly is happening for you um and then if it's an energetic issue you might actually zoom out and look at the big picture of your energy across your cycle. So are you working in a way that's actually conducive to that kind of rise of energy that I talked about earlier and that gradual decline right before menstruation? Or are you working in a way that is very, this kind of masculine focused energy where it's these 24 hour cycles and you just kind of going into the kind of grind culture that we see with a lot of entrepreneurs and people in the corporate space. So have a really honest look about around your energy and how much you're kind of giving and how much you're actually taking back for yourself. If there's issues around ovulation pain, um, I see this a lot. Actually, I'm seeing this a lot recently. You kind of want to then look at well what is what is the pain is it the kind of pain that breakthrough pain that actually happens when we ovulate because if you think about it it's quite a violent act that mature egg is breaking through the ovary either one of the ovaries and then going down through the fallopian tube into the uterus so you know is it is it that and how painful is it or is it is it a kind of a longer term pain where you actually want to look into that because there's this kind of this ter- German t- term it's called middle smirts and that's a kind of ovulation pain and that can vary depending on the individual I get it and it's kind of a I, I feel a kind of pinch I had it the other night and I was like oh yeah okay I just ovulated <laughs> uh, which is crazy to me that I can actually just pinpoint it like that. But um, if it feels more severe than a pinch or a twinge, you definitely want to explore explore that. And then the last part is looking at moods. So, you know, we talked about this peak of energy, this peak of mood. I like to think of it like the star-eyed emoji where, you know, you just everything is kind of going your way. But for some people, 
they have a condition called PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and it typically starts to kick off right after ovulation, where we have this peak of progesterone that is the result of ovulation, and then we have this second smaller peak of estrogen, estrogen for North American listeners, and um, most of us, that's great. We, we feel great, that calming effect of progesterone, the anti-inflammatory effect of progesterone, it makes us feel a bit more settled. We kind of, it tamps down that kind of super energetic, super creative energy that we feel right before ovulation. But there are these people who have PMDD, they have a um, genetic disposition to having a negative effect a negative um that 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 rise of second rise of hormones um after ovulation actually results in lower moods for them um although you know it can go from just feeling really tired really anxious really depressed all the way through to suicidal ideation so if you're listening to this and you're connecting with that I would definitely first tell you you're not alone. You don't need to deal with this on your own. But I would urge you to seek help because there's a lot that you can do for PMDD. Um, and you definitely have, don't have to deal with it on your own. So that is actually a question that came in is what is the difference? Like, how do you know if it's PMDD versus PMS? And, you know, is there a way outside of the symptoms that you just described? Is there any other way to, to identify that? So I guess this is a two-part question. Number one, what's the difference between PMDD and PMS? And two, like, how do you know which one you've got? Yeah. So great question. So PMS, you typically, it's a collectum, collect collection of symptoms where that typically start to happen um, anywhere from about five to seven days before the start of the next menstrual cycle. So before the start of your next period. And we can kind of group these into five different categories with, you know, lots of different symptoms within each category. There's pain, there's cravings, anxiety, depression, um, and bloating. So that bloating could be, um, you know, really sore breasts. It could be bloating around the abdomen. It could be like you just feel a, a puffy in your face and your fingers. And those typically happen right before your period. Whereas PMDD, some people have called it severe PMS, and but that's kind of, I think it's kind of downplaying the severity of this condition where it's this, you I mentioned progesterone earlier and normally it's quite calming because it acts on the GABA receptors in the brain. So GABA is a neurotransmitter that's produced in the brain that is kind of like, you, it's like, also kind of has like a sedative effect. It's super, super calming and we want, we want that. And, but for those people, that um, genetic kind of um, predisposition makes that not a great experience. And so you really want to look at the timing of when this happens to you. If you say like, 
the t- I, right before ovulation is fantastic. I love it. And then right after ovulation, it really sucks. Like to be perfectly blunt, uh, my mood is bad. I feel terrible. That's a kind of indication that it could be PMDD and you really want to explore what's happening for you, the symptoms, the frequency. And so to kind of name and rate you what's happening for you so you can have a really detailed conversation about it. So is this a, uh, a situation of not having enough progesterone or you're so in these, in this particular cohort, they respond to progesterone differently where progesterone doesn't have the same calming anti-inflammatory effect. Exactly. They, it does, they respond to progesterone differently. It's not calming. It's actually, um, almost like a depressant for them. Is there, and the the answer to this might be, we can't talk about it on the podcast because it's so individualized, but is there any clinical strategies that you have found to be helpful for this situation? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you, you, I do like to firstly go back to the basics um, and look at sleep, lifestyle, stress, energy, all of those aspects. Look at, look at the nutrition, make sure that, you know, the liver function is optimal, gut is optimal, because, you know, we have to look at what's happening um, with serotonin as well to kind of see if we can get that optimized so we can sort of start to counterbalance this depressing effect. And then we also look at, there's a lot of research that shows that magnesium is beneficial here, B6 is beneficial here. So those are some of the clinical strategies that I look at. It is individual because, you know, we're all individual. Um, but generally speaking, I look at the basics and then I start to layer on appropriate supplementation. Okay. Wow. That's so helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and, you know, one thing I was thinking about when you were talking is with with PMS specifically, it's it's this spectrum. And I, you know, I think you and I bonded on social media over like sort of talking about nuance and context and being in the gray area because social media can be such a battlefield for Mm. this or that. And I think I, I see, I follow enough accounts that I think I see that with PMS where some people are like, PMS is absolutely normal. I feel like that's kind of the conventional model that we've all been taught since, since we were born, right? That yeah, PMS is normal. It's normal to feel like shit around your period. That's mm-hmm. just your cross to bear as a female, too bad, so sad. And then there's this, there's this opposite end of the spectrum where we hear that PMS is not normal. You should not feel poorly at all. You should feel great during your period. And if you don't, something is wrong. So now I feel like we have this new wave of people kind of freaking out if they feel a little less than stellar during their period or leading up to their period. And can you kind of speak to that spectrum? Like what's normal? What would a normal premenstrual period or premenstrual time frame look like? And what would a normal period look like? Yeah. So I love that you asked that question because I do see these extremes and I kind of sit somewhere in the middle where it is normal to have a decline in energy 
to as you go towards the end of your period because if you to end end of your menstrual cycle because if you think about it you know your body has spent however many days building up this lining of this new lining of your uterus and is getting ready to share shed that if you if you haven't um if you haven't gotten pregnant that cycle and so that takes a lot of energy in of itself. So that preparation towards that process is quite, and, and it can be an energetic drain. So knowing that your energy is going to, to start to decline and that's okay is great. And I think we also have to honor our emotions and honor the fact that we have a spectrum of emotions and it's, that's what makes us human to know that sometimes we're angry sometimes we're sad and that's fine and not actually just attach everything to being premenstrual oh I'm a moody cow or a moody bitch because I'm um, sorry excuse my language um, because you know I'm about to go I'm about to come on to my period you know it's okay to be angry it's okay to be sad but it's when this anger turns into rage and you can't kind of pinpoint any external factors and that rage is consistent every kind of three days before your period you feel rage that's where you want to look in and say okay what's going on here for me if the kind of anxiety turns from kind of a light self-doubt that many of us experience right before our periods to a kind of a real criticism, a real kind of like, you know, you're, you're really down on yourself. You, you want to look at that. So we're going from really honoring the low, the decline of our energy, honoring that this energy might mean that we don't feel our peppiest, um, to then saying, okay, if it goes to these extremes or if it's consistent in these symptoms, we want to explore this a little bit more. So, you know, some, I think it's, you know, you can't say that, you know, we should never feel bad at, at any point in our cycle because we're human and emotions are human. I feel really strongly about this. Like we can't sugarcoat all of this and say that, we're going to have a perfect period or perfect menstrual cycle every single time because we're so affected by external events. You know, thinking about what's happening over the last year, living in a pandemic, pandemic, living in lockdown, it's going to have an impact on us in so many different ways. And one of those is on our menstrual cycle. I'm going to briefly interrupt this conversation to highlight one of our show sponsors, BioCult. Gotta love up on my show sponsors. I am super committed to continuing to bring you all free content about health and nutrition that's pretty heavily researched, pretty well organized. I utilize not only research, but 10 years of clinical experience to highlight some of the uh, biggest topics that I see in the field of health, um, the biggest issues that I see. So you have a clear understanding of what to do with all of this information. But the way that I can keep showing up week after week, especially three and a half years in, is by uh, being supported by our show sponsors. And BioCult is one of them. Um, 
one of the top questions that I get asked in my in my practice is about probiotics. You know, there's a lot of buzz about probiotics. I'm actually currently creating content for the Functional Nutrition Academy, my 12-month um, mentorship for nutrition professionals. And I'm so deep in the research of probiotics right now. And it's super cool how we've been able to take our research and narrow it down to individualized strains of probiotics. So we've got a strain for this and a strain for that. And I just think it's so fascinating. And this field has come so far in such a short period of time. But as a general recommendation for most people, I am recommending a broad spectrum probiotic with many different strains. And so BioCult Boosted is definitely one of the top recommended products in terms of probiotics that I use for the vast majority of people. So Highly recommend checking them out if you're looking for a good quality probiotic. You can head to their website using the link in the show notes, and you can use code FUNK15, and that will save you 15% off of your entire order. They have lots of different types of probiotics, um, so you find one that works best for you. Like I said, my, my favorite happens to be the Boosted, but you can use that code for anything you find on your website. So here's to happy and healthy guts. It sort of reminds me of, um, I was told that childbirth, this is before I gave, actually gave birth to a child six and a half years ago, that childbirth really shouldn't be painful. It should be more of an orgasmic experience. (laughs) I was like, way to not manage my expectations at all. (laughs) You know, it's like, I just feel like we we have to make space for us to not feel a hundred percent all of the time. And you had mentioned female cycles versus male cycle. And, you know, when I talk about this, I'm talking about sort of, you know, the divine feminine, you know, the masculine, we all have different aspects of all of this, you know, but our culture, our society is really geared toward masculine energy, which is just go, 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 show up, produce. It's very robotic energy where there's not all of these fluctuations in mood or energy. And I think we've been trying our best to live according to this ideal and this standard, and it really does us a a huge disservice. And so I love that you're making space for things to not feel awesome all of the time because mm. that's reality that's normal childbirth is probably gonna hurt you know? <laughs> <laughs> um why don't we get into the uh, the more granular issues that people were asking about one big one that came up was cramps so if we have horrible cramps during our period during menstruation i should be more clear what's up with that what what could be causing that number one and number two is there, is there anything that we can do to make it less intense? Yeah, so there's lots that we can do. Um, but it then goes back to what I said earlier about identifying what's happening to you. So when do you experience the pain? Is it day one, day two of menstruation? Um, can you name the pain? So, you know, we often get told that we need to rate the pain. So it one out of 10, but what could be a five for me could be a like nine for someone else. So I prefer to kind of rate to not rate to name the pain. So is it a sharp pain? Is it a kind of burning pain? How long does the pain last? Where, where is the pain? And then you have to start to, to delineate between what we call primary dysmenorrhea which is like 
I hate saying it, but I always say it, just period pain. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's never just period pain. Um, and then secondary dysmenorrhea, which is where period pain is part of another condition, whether it be endometriosis, adenomyosis, um, pelvic inflammatory disease, fibroids. Um, and then you kind of, if you... Because a lot of what I see with a lot of women is that they have these really horrible periods and they keep going to their doctors um, and they get told, oh, you know, period pain, it's just normal. You know, your periods are supposed to be painful, which fills me with rage every single time I get told that because, you know, light cramping, some aches, some fatigue. That's normal because if you think about what's happening biologically, but pain that leaves that leaves you doubled over, where you have to stay in bed, where you're vomiting, passing out, that is not normal. And we need to treat this as something that needs to be addressed rather than being told that, oh, it's just it's just normal because it's not. So you kind of understand the different where your period pain is coming from, whether it's period pain or part of another condition. Because each of those conditions that I mentioned, they have symptoms that other symptoms that go along with them. So like endometriosis, um, you often have gut gut issues, you have immune dysfunction. So that manifests in like what we call endo endo belly, where it's just a lot of a lot of bloating around or right before menstruation. You often have cycling between diarrhea and constipation. You have, and this is something that you wouldn't know, you wouldn't be able to see unless you had an internal examination. But the more severe the endometriosis, the higher the likelihood of adhesions and and lesions, where adhesions are kind of scar tissue. And where the, some of the organs, like the bowel and the bladder or the uterus and the bowel, they can fuse together because of the scar tissue. And that can increase the pain. So to you, now to go to the second part of your question, uh, is where, how do you address this? Well, firstly, I mentioned tracking and being, very arti- being able to articulate what's going on for you. And... We have to have a conversation about being able to advocate for yourself because if you're getting told by your doctor that this is normal, I really encourage you to have to find another doctor. And I know this puts extra labor on you, but you want to find someone who's going to hear you and listen to you and be able to help you explore appropriate Um, treatment and referrals to specialists Um, because you you don't need to live like this and if you don't feel like you can advocate for yourself I would encourage you to bring someone with you who can advocate on your behalf Um, because there's definitely light at the tunnel at the end of the tunnel when it comes to dealing with period pain in its various forms Um, so then you know, it's when it comes to period pain, we're dealing with 
a lot of we're typically dealing with a high number a high amount of inflammation and a high number of these prostaglandins um, these particular prostaglandins that can increase estrogen and then can increase period pain so you really want to get to the bottom of what's creating that inflammation for you and it's not just talking looking at food there's a lot that you can do through food to reduce inflammation um, you know really looking at what you're adding in in terms of anti-inflammatory foods but also looking at lifestyle you know our lifestyles can be very inflammatory we're living in a time of like massive inflammation because of this as i said earlier the stress of the pandemic so really getting a handle on what is driving the inflammation for you is really important and if you don't feel like you have the capacity to be able to do that i would really suggest working with a practitioner who can help you with this who's skilled in this area and can help you dig a little deeper and give you the support that you're looking for and of course we're going to be linking to all of uh lenise's offerings and website and all that kind of stuff if, if this is something that you need help, further help exploring because totally don't go this alone especially if you've tried all of the the sort of baseline interventions and you're not getting where you need to go and I just want to really highlight that that self-advocacy piece I'm such a huge proponent of that because I have such personal ties to it where I would not, had I not been able to advocate for myself, I would not have received answers and I would not have been able to get the diagnosis that I did and start my own healing journey without it. So it's so important. I wish I could loan myself out as like an advocacy bulldog to like take with, <laughs> to take, so people could take me into their doctor's appointments. But being able to listen to all this information, assess what's not normal. Like what are you experiencing that might not be normal and to actually vocalize that say, this is not normal and I will not leave this office until I get answers. That's what mm -hmm. I had to say. Mm -hmm. And luckily they were able to give me answers. And if they don't, you find another doctor. It's, it's worth, it is absolutely worth the labor in my, in my estimation to get answers about your health. Um, a lot of what you were talking about um, can correlate with estrogen dominance. Um, mm. And that was a question that, that came in, in um, how can periods and period issues be impacted by estrogen dominance or estrogen? Is that how you pronounce it? Well, so I've been living in the UK for the last 20 years. So I've, there are certain words that I say the same way as they do here, but I never get, they say vitamin and I refuse to say vitamin. I always say vitamin, um, but yes, estrogen. And antibiotics. I will sometimes like slip it. Sometimes I will say vitamin just because I think it's, it's, I just like the way it sounds. Um, I'm like pulling a Madonna pretending to have a UK accent when I really don't. Um, okay. So talk to me about estrogen dominance. So, Okay, so if we go back to what's happening during, during our menstrual cycle. So if you look on social media, you'll see people, including me, splitting it into four different phases. But, you know, generally medical practitioners, so doctors and specialists, they will talk about it in two phases, follicular and luteal. And what we see happening with estrogen is that during our period 
are during menstruation, it's it's at its lowest point, and then it starts to rise, um, and then reaching its first peak right before ovulation, and then it starts to decline, and then it, it reaches a second smaller peak right after ovulation. So it you, you that's why you still have a lot of energy and your mood, typically speaking, is still good after you ovulate. But then what what also happens is after after ovulation you have this big peak of progesterone and we want we want a lot of progesterone because it's so beneficial it's so anti-inflammatory that we want to have that big peak but when we people talk about estrogen dominance I don't really love love that word I would typically talk about that phrase I would typically talk about excess estrogen because you know in your first half of your menstrual cycle, your your estrogen is dominant. You know, it's working with other hormones, sex hormones like follicle stimulating hormone, um, luteinizing hormone, testosterone, which is also super important um, for female cycles. And then you only have that second smaller peak of estrogen after ovulation when progesterone is supposed to be dominant. But where we see a lot of issues, especially around PMS, premenstrual symptoms, um, is where you have too much estrogen in relation to progesterone. So if you kind of, if you're more like a visual learner, um, visualize um, a seesaw or like a teeter-totter, whatever, you know, use whatever phrase feels good to you, depending on where you're from. You have estrogen and progesterone sitting on either end and in the first half of your cycle you have estrogen it's on it's kind of dominating that tutor that seesaw and then progesterone should be dominating on the second half of your cycle but if estrogen is high all throughout that's where you have you have issues and you're thinking okay well what can I do what can I be, do about it? I, when it comes to these sort of issues with estrogen and progesterone, I always come back to three areas. We look at what's happening with the liver, where we metabolize our sex hormones. We look at what's happening with the gut, where we have this special type of bacteria called the estrobilum or estrobilum that helps us metabolize um, estrogen. Then you want to look at talking about the gut, you also want to make sure that you're having a regular bowel movement. So every day is what you want to be aiming for, ideally first thing in the morning. You know, you hear a lot of people say, well, every two to three days surely is okay, isn't it? I push back about against that because Every time you have a bowel movement, it's an opportunity for your body to eliminate any of the estrogen and other hormones that it has broken down um, and um, from, due to the gut and the liver. And then the last area is to look at ovulation. So we talked earlier about the impact of stress and everything that's happening, you know, picture me gesturing wildly. Uh, (laughs) um, That will have an impact on your body's um, 
readiness to ovulate because ovulation happens when we feel safe. And if our body is saying, okay, you know, I don't feel safe, there's too much cortisol, there's too much stress, it will down-regulate the reproductive function. Um, because yes, ovulation, reproduction is important because we need to kind of keep the species going, but it's not important for us in a, on a day-to-day level. And when you're not ovulating, you're not producing progesterone. So looking at those, I think it was four areas I mentioned, um, would be really, really important if you're dealing with any issues around excess estrogen. Wow, that was such a comprehensive overview. (laughs) Thank you so much. That really explained it really, really well. Um, Gosh, I could keep you on all day because I have lots and lots of follow-up questions. But I know that you are a mom just coming out of lockdown, right? Are you still in lockdown or are you guys just coming out? We're slowly coming out. So um, the those shops will start like non-essential stores. They start to open up next week. So I'm really excited because I need to buy some new clothes for my son because he's just grown out of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I have one, one final question for you. I would love to hear, um, seed cycling was a question that somebody had asked and I would really love to hear your opinion on on this or really more specifically if you've ever implemented it clinically and seen good results with it okay yeah I thank you for asking this question because I get asked about seed cycling all the time and when I first started practicing I was like oh yeah this isn't this great you know you eat pump one or two tablespoons of pumpkin seeds and then one tables one to two tablespoons of black seeds in the first half of your cycle and then you swap over after ovulation to um, one to tables two tablespoons each of sesame seeds and sunflower seeds but then as I got further into my practice I started realizing that people were being too kind of rigid about the seeds and um, if they missed a day they were would get upset and they know that rigidity is a whole other issue um you know because what rigidity in one area around food can lead to others um but then i also realized that eating all of the seeds at any point in your cycle will be beneficial because it's not like so for pumpkin seeds for example they they are a fantastic source of zinc which are really which is a really beneficial mineral for progesterone production ovulation for testosterone production but you know if you eat pumpkin seeds after you ovulate you're still also getting the benefits of magnesium um, in pumpkin seeds because and magnesium is fantastic for right before your period when you might be experiencing some of these premenstrual symptoms. Magnesium is kind of like, I am obsessed with magnesium. It's incredible as a supplement. Um, But um, so that's where I kind of started to move away from the, you must do seed cycling. It's a cure-all because it's, you know, some people it works and some people it doesn't. But what I love about it um, as a protocol 
is for people who are starting to learn about their menstrual cycles and it helps them kind of look for ovulation because they know that that's when they're, they're going to change over in terms of the seeds that they're going to be eating. Um, and it starts to help them tune in to, well, what's happening with my cervical fluid? Is it changing in consistency, in color? Oh, that means that I might, I might be um, on my way to ovulation. Because just as a sidebar, so many women I speak to are afraid or disgusted by their cervical fluid. And that kind of ties into this whole disgust that many women feel around their period and menstrual blood. And I just would love it if we started to shift away from that. So, yeah, so that's kind of my my take on um, seed cycling. Does that answer your question? Totally. And I that's such an important concept because we, I think what we do in the field of nutrition, food, health, hormones, all of it, is we take these big concepts and we take these big theories and we just talk about them as theories versus like, okay, but how does this actually play out in human bodies with real live emotions? Mm. And, you know, you, it sounds like you see just as much as of this, as I do this over these overthinking tendencies when it comes to food and our bodies, this hypervigilant mindset, you used rigidity, which is such a great way to describe it, that we have to do exactly this. And honestly, and we don't have time to get into this, but you know, some of the questions that came in were like eating according to your cycle, working out specifically according to your cycle. And yeah, in theory, there are certain times of our cycle where we're more energized in certain times of our cycle where certain things make more sense. But I think when we get so prescriptive in like, well, it's, this is where I'm at in my cycle. So these are the seeds that I should be eating. And this is the exercise that I should be doing. And these are the meals that I should be eating. You know, I think when we get overly prescriptive, it pulls us away from our sense of self. It pulls us away from our intuition. It pulls us away from body communication, right? Because we're still following this very specific laid out template. So I think seed cycling can be really cool, but I think, you know, if we get so focused on doing the right thing at the right time, we can kind of, you know, miss the forest for the trees, so to speak. And um, I really like that you highlighted the fact that we can eat pumpkin seeds (laughs) throughout the entire month. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us where we can find more of you, social media, website, podcasts, lay it all on us. Yeah, so you can find me. So my website is www.eatlovemove.com. And you can find me on Instagram. So it's at eatlovemove. And Facebook, where I spend less time, but I'm still there, is at eatlovemovenutrition. My podcast is Period Story. You can find that on anywhere you listen to um, podcasts and you can also buy my book next March. So look out for pre-order for that in the next kind of six months. No way. Congratulations. I didn't know that. That's news to me. Yeah. It's, uh, I haven't talked about it a ton because I'm still like deep in writing, but it's like, it's a dream come true. Do you have a title yet? It's probably going to be, you can have a better period. Oh my goodness. Well, you'll have to keep me updated so I can 
sing it from the rooftops and get all those <laughs> pre-orders in for you. That's really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Lenise, for coming on the show. You're such a wealth of knowledge. So I want to make sure everybody goes and checks out your, your different accounts and your different services because I know that you're helping a lot of, a lot of folks out there. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on my show. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.